Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, enjoy your dinner and, you know, don't, don't, don't die. Oh, thanks. That's, that's nice. Thank you. And you too. You too. <laughs> Stay alive. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist, and I'm joined by my financial planner friend, Joshua Gersler, who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. Hello. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and Josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money, and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. Hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. We should probably start talking as this podcast is now recording. Go for it. Go for it. Well, here I am. Here we are. Just weeks since what people described as a super spreader Euro 2020 event. Um, <laughs> it was our, a bit mad, wasn't it? It was mad. And I mean, in our previous episode, we spoke just before England were playing Denmark in a Euro 2020 semi final. And as people will know, England got to the final. Um, we had a great day out of a semi final of a final. Um, a good day out there as well. You had a good day out, but probably not as good as a lot of the other people you saw on the news, like the man lighting a flare up his up his bottom. <laughs> yeah. Many um, many people who. I just wanted to let my hair down, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen how well, your hairstyle. Um, Uri. Uri. What were our um, in the last episode? Didn't we make predictions? Yeah, I predicted a Denmark win. I, because I was talking about the narrative and how it would be nice for them because Christian Eriksen had the issue. Oh, yeah. And what then, did I predict? Uh, you said England were, you said it was coming home, didn't you? I can't remember. You should you really should, listen back to these. You should. I did it this afternoon. But um, I think you said England would get to the final. There weren't actually predictions about what would happen in the final. Ah, fine. Okay. Um, but we got there. Uh, neither of us got infected, as far as I know. Yeah, so, as far as I know. Well done to that on that. <coughs> Um, it's not a joke. I was just being not, silly. It's very um, serious stuff, and and so here we are in the height of summer. Um, I'm worried because I'm due to go on my summer holiday in a week, and um, there's the stress now of being pinged because it's turned from a pandemic to a pingdemic now. Yeah, I quite like that one. Yeah, I think a lot of journalists are getting stick for calling it a pingdemic because they worry that we are uh, belittling the um, seriousness of a pandemic which I don't think we are, but I think it's illustrating how uh, ridiculous the rules have become that people are getting pinged allegedly through through walls and like yeah. if you drive past someone who's got a cough and then That's you're mad, isolated. Isn't it? Yeah. And then you're, like, your holiday plans or your days out or your summer is ruined. Is that your dog? That is my... He's, he's, got, he's, he's got a lot of opinions on, on this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the risk, obviously, if you're trying to go away and you get pinged in the days before, that's your um, scuppered. So, and, yeah. so what do you have to do? If you get pinged, you get a test or you just can't go away? Well, if you get pinged on the app, it's yeah. advisory, it's guidance that you don't go away and you isolate for 10 days. Even it's if, only advised. Even if you are double vaccinated and that's until the 16th of August. Okay. Um, 
But if you get contacted by test and trace or track and trace, whatever they're called, it's a legal requirement that you um, I see. isolate. So you read between the lines of what people are doing. So you're not, you're not answering the phone if they call you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going anywhere for the next week. Yeah, That's sensible. All. Yeah, also I just don't like going out. Well, have a lovely holiday. Thank you. You're not worried about getting pinged? No, I'm Franks? not worried about it. If it okay. What will be, will be. You know me. I know, but we've just waited so long for a holiday, haven't we? Not yeah, together, but, but generally. No, that we're waiting even longer for. <laughs> um, should we t- talk about something financial? Yeah, go on then. I wanted to talk about um, an issue that's been in uh, the Sunday newspapers, particularly the Sunday Times in recent weeks, regarding life insurance. I don't know if you've picked up on these stories. I saw. I don't know if you're referring to the same thing, but I saw this journalist in the Times with his ridiculous comments about life insurance is a waste of time. Yeah, well, let's come on to that in a minute. Because so he, yeah, so this journalist, we won't name him because people know who he is if they don't, and otherwise it's unfair. Um, he uh, wrote a couple of pieces, one piece a few weeks ago and one piece this past weekend, highlighting an issue where a man took out a life insurance policy and his premiums initially started costing £62 a month and now... Uh, they are set to rise to, well, currently they're £706 a month and they look set to rise to £3,312 a month by the time he's 84 in okay. 2032. So this is a term assurance policy rather yeah. than a whole-of-life policy. So I felt like it's, it would be good to delve into what on earth is that? Uh, what on earth are those? Yeah, but I feel, Interestingly, yeah, I think the journalist in question then posted some very strange comments on on the twitter where he described life insurance as a pact with death and essentially you'd be better off um putting your money in the stock market and hoping for the best <laughs> um which is a controversial view is I that why he said it do you reckon i think that is why i was saying it but i think he was trying to make the point that particularly this type of term insurance policy it just seems risky why would you do that if you're not going to get what's the difference i think i think he's trying, essentially trying to say what's the difference because you're not going to get any you may not get anything in return in either okay so so what are we talking about what is the difference between whole of life insurance and term insurance yeah let's talk about that and why it matters and how you're remunerated, remunerated. which i think is the wrong way around but remuneration how advisors are paid because that's also created some issue so okay. i want i want you to justify to me why you should get paid a commission on life insurance and um how how, how that works like are you paid okay. each time let's come on to that after because i'm gonna yeah i've got you're gonna grill me on that i'm okay. gonna grill you i'm gonna go pack some esque i look forward to it you look okay. forward to it so let's start with um life insurance because we've previously covered life insurance i think on our episodes but i don't know if we ever discussed the difference between term and whole of life okay so if we start with very quickly what life insurance is it's an insurance that pays out an amount if you die so you're insuring your life and there's lots of different types but the two you've mentioned term insurance and whole of life insurance so term insurance is uh you're covered for a set term so fairly simple and that term could be one year five years ten years thirty years whatever you choose the term to be Whole of life insurance, also quite self-explanatory, it is for the whole of your life. 
So whatever point you die, it pays out as long as you've paid the premiums. Is that making sense? Yes. There's pros and cons of both. Should we talk about that? Yeah. So a term insurance policy will be cheaper, will have lower premiums. The reason is because it's only for a fixed term, let's say 20 years. Yeah. And if that 20 years comes and goes, they don't have to pay out. If you live that 20 years, the, the insurer doesn't have to pay out the, as I said, million pounds that you insured yourself for. Mm. If you have a whole of life insurance policy, they will definitely have to pay out at some point. Yeah. Okay, so that's why it costs more. That's why the premiums are higher. Um, so an advantage of a, a reason you might have, let's say, a term insurance policy is you might be covering a specific need. So we'll use the same figures. Let's say you've got a mortgage for 20 years, mm. which is a million pounds. You're only going to need that cover for the next 20 years. So you would do a term insurance policy for that reason. Okay. Yeah. Why? So in, t- in the case of this man, though, his premiums seem to be going up by quite a lot. Why is that happening? Um, it, I can't really answer because I don't know what he's got. So I haven't seen his policy, but I'll have, I have, I'll have a guess. Okay. So with, with most insurance policies, you can set it up. There's two types. There's what's called guaranteed premiums hmm. and there are reviewable premiums. Yeah. And they're a bit of bit bit Ron Sill. They do what they say on the tin. So guarantee premiums means if you take out that 20-year policy for a million pounds, you know that your premiums are going to be X amount of pounds for that whole time, 50 pounds, let's say. Yeah. If you take out a policy with reviewable premiums, that means periodically the insurer will review the premiums and adjust them accordingly. Normally every five years. Adjust them upwards, I assume. Well, it's not always upwards. So it depends on when when you take it out in terms of age. So at your age, well, you're 60 now. So at your age, at 30, 37 for a couple more months. Potentially in five years' time, the policy will be cheaper, the premiums will be lower because of changes in the assumptions they use and the actuarial calculations and the technology and everything. The chances are, as you get older towards your later life, so in, let's say, your 60s and 70s, mm. it's going to get more expensive. The premiums are going to get higher because there's more chance of you dying at that point. So it's not always one way. Okay. I have seen reviewable premiums that get cheaper, but I have also seen them that get more expensive. And When we arrange policies for clients... 99% of the time, they'll be done with guaranteed premiums. Um, but I, my, So my guess is for this chap, unless, unless there's information that says otherwise, that he's got a reviewable premium. And what's the difference between these? Because I know my life insurance policies, I have a inflation links, which means they change with the cost of living. Yeah. What's Where does that fit into it? So... The difference is, so with the inflation-linked policies or the inflation-proof policies, whatever inflation is that year, let's say it's like 2.5%, which it roughly is at the moment, your policies on the anniversary, the amount you pay, so the premium, and the amount you claim 
the sum assured will go up with inflation. So both the premium and the sum assured will go up with inflation. And it's set with whatever uh, inflation is. Hmm. Whereas with the reviewable policy, it's a bit more arbitrary. They're going to put the premiums up based on whatever criteria they set. It's not predetermined at the beginning that it's based on inflation. It's going to be with whatever their situation is at that point in time, whichever the insurer's situation is. And they're not putting up the sum assured. They're not putting up the amount you claim. They're just putting up the premium or down. Yes. And this article refers to uh, the premiums then being invested in the stock market to help fund payouts. How, how does that work? And how, what does that mean for your premiums? So some um, whole of life insurance policies, not term insurance policies, some whole of life insurance policies have an investment element to it. Mm. So it's sort of split into two parts. The part that gives you the life insurance and the part that's invested. Um, so we, if we just make up some numbers again, you've got your million pounds worth of cover and let's say the premium is £100 a month. It might be that for you, £50 of that 100 is the cost of the insurance and therefore £50 of that is going into the investment. And as you get older, the cost of that insurance probably increases so it might be that in five years time actually 55 pounds is going towards insurance and only 45 pounds to the investment and then a few years after that it might be that it's 65 pounds for the insurance and 35 for the investment so as you get older less is going into the investment and more is going towards the cost of the insurance and what a lot of them hope with these policies is that the investment element will grow so that that pot can cover the increase in the premiums in the future. So they don't have to put your premiums up. I see. But this man in this article seems to have suffered because the underlying the stock market performance has been poor and he's putting more in now than what he's get back. Have- yeah, it could be that he's. Uh, it could, uh, does it tell you which insurance um, provider it was? Uh, possibly Reassure. Yeah, could be. Okay, yeah. so it could be that Reassure invested it badly. So the right. people that are managing it at Reassure invested it badly, and it just hasn't performed well. Or it could just be that it was unrealistic expectations were set at the beginning, and it was never going to achieve what what it should have done. I, I, I had, um, interestingly or coincidentally, I had a meeting with a client today and he's got a reassure whole of life insurance policy from years ago. Before my time, he had it set up and the premiums are now annually about £3,000. Wow. Um, it's not, it's a wow. You're saying because that's a lot or a little? A lot. We don't know how much it would pay out, do you? Okay, go on. If I tell you it's going to pay out five thousand pounds, then a wow is needed. Yeah. If I tell you it's going to pay out three million, then maybe doesn't need a wow. So it's all relative. But so his premiums are three thousand pounds, and the amount it's going to pay out is eighteen thousand. So it's not three million. 
Correct. It's not. <laughs> but you get you you went well before I'd even told you. Yeah, so but we I had could a, have guessed what it wouldn't be like. So eight, that's, that seems rubbish. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And we had a chat today and 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 said, you know what, is it worth keeping this? Yeah. You pay, to pay three grand a year to only get eighteen. Yeah. If you die in the next five years, yes, it's worth it. Um, if you live longer than five years, it's not worth it because you're going to spend more than, uh, sorry, six years. Terrible math there. Because uh, you're going to spend more than £18,000 on the premiums. So we had a chat about that today. And before we say stop, we're going to just do a bit more research on the policy to see if there's anything else within it that makes it worth keeping because you never know. It's got a surrender value of about £7,000. That means if he cashes it in, he'll get £7,000 back which is the value of the investment elements of that policy. So we'll do a bit of digging and assuming there's no surprises, he, he's going to say, well, you know what, I'll take the 7,000 and not worry about that life insurance. How many people could be in these sorts of products? Because if you've just come across that and if, if the times had come across that, that would be, that would probably be as significant a story as, as the others. Yeah, there's probably, there's probably hundreds of thousands of these policies out there i don't think they're all bad you know it depends on what what options you've set at the beginning i mean we, we when we arrange whole of life we only do it as pure protection we don't do it with the investment element we do it with guaranteed premiums so there's none of these surprises um but but there are still ones that you, you can take out with these investment elements and it, I, I, I only think it's a problem if people have not been explained properly how it works. So if you go into it knowing exactly what you're doing, then so be it. But if you're expecting one thing and you're getting another, that's when it's a problem. But how are the ones without the investment element funded? It's just like a normal life insurance policy. And is that so a more see, recent thing? Um, I don't know, really. I've been, I've been doing this for 10 years. And when I've done whole of life in, in the 10 years, it's always been pure life insurance. So it's no different to when you take out your term policy of 20 years, mm. they do their calculations and they say it's going to be X pounds a month and that's what you pay. And, uh, and so similarly with a term insurance policy, you're, it's all funded by the premiums? Correct. Okay. I can see what this journalist is getting at, they, with this gambling with death thing in terms of the other product. Not, I'm not saying people shouldn't have insurance, but I'm saying if you have got into that other type of policy, yeah, it doesn't seem fair. It seems like these people have been missold these products. Even if they knew what they were getting into, it doesn't, seem like, it doesn't look like they could have fully known what they were going to get into. Because is any advisor really going to say, oh, is anyone going to listen if someone says in 50, 60 years, you could have a shortfall? or you, it could be worth far less. They're just going to say, oh, well, I've been told I need protection. This is the main one that's around. This advisor knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust him. Yeah, I don't know. It's like very hard to, to say what went on in that situation. I think that the, the article I read from this guy was basically saying, don't take out insurance, put the money away, whether it's savings or investments or, or whatever, which I thought was dangerous thing to say if you if we go back to the example if you've got a million pound mortgage and you and the and the premiums are 50 pound a month if you put 50 pounds a month into a bank account 
for the next 20 years. Hmm. I'm just tapping into my calculator. That's £12,000. So if you die in the 20 years, which the whole point of having insurance, remember, is to to protect your family or uh, your loved ones or your business partners or whatever it may be. Hmm. So they're not going to say, oh, great, there's £12,000 in a savings account when they've got a million pound mortgage to pay. So I think the 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 sweeping comments about protection not being worth it or whatever he actually said is dangerous. If, like you say, there's specific examples of individuals getting missold things and he's highlighting that, well, that that's rights. That's definitely, you know, if anyone's been missold something, the, the people that have done it need to be... Um, well, it needs to be investigated. But there is no doubt in my mind that having life insurance, having income protection, having critical illness cover is a, um, I was going to use the word lifesaver. I mean, if you die, it's not. <laughs> but but for the people you leave behind, it's invaluable. But not necessarily this investment linked one. <laughs> I don't know. It's very hard to say without knowing the facts. So... As I said, why, why haven't I've never you been involved with these? But yeah, exactly. But why haven't you done, done them? I'm going to go pack them now. Why haven't you done it if you don't think it's if you think it's so good? I don't. Well, I'm not saying I think it's <laughs> no, so good. But if you think it's if you don't think it's that bad, why have you never? No, I haven't said that either way. But okay. because what I'm thinking is, if if I said to you, Mark, right, let's put let's set up a policy. It's either you can have a life insurance policy that's fifty pound a month, or let's do one for. £100 a month, and half of that's going to get invested. Yeah. So that potentially, like you said, in 30, 40 years' time, um, you might actually have, as well as insurance, you might have built up a bit of a, a pot, a nest egg. And um, it'll be invested. The, the insurance company will choose investments. So it might do well, it might not. But is it worth having a look at? And And I've said this sort of very high level without going through all the disclaimers and the risks and everything you might say you know what yeah if i'm going to put some money towards life insurance anyway i might as well have a bit of a investment element to it as well so i so i can see why people people might have done it then i think i'd turn you up in 30 50 years or whatever and say well, you didn't tell me at the time that i didn't realize my premiums were going to be so high and now i can't afford to buy england tickets <laughs> Yeah, and so it's got to be done properly, doesn't it? You've got to go through all the documentation properly, all the risks, all the disclaimers. This is what happened. This is might not happen. And I, I would imagine with this guy, the policy was set up and then it never saw the person again that arranged it. And so he's looked at it 30 years later and he's got a bit of a shock. Whereas with most clients that we look after, we're speaking to them if not every year, every few years. Yeah. So, so there's never a big surprise because you've left something for so long. So you'd always be reviewing things. And like I said to you with this guy that I've I've met, I mean, I've only, first time we've come across this policy and, and spoken about it. But if, if we were looking at things regularly, we'd say, well, it's gone up 20 pounds this year and make a decision. Is it still worth it or not? If you just suddenly leave it, then yeah. you are going to get a surprise and get annoyed. Okay, that's there, there is no requirement on insurance, and and this is um, me sort of being playing devil's advocate. There is no requirement when you arrange insurance policy to review them in the future. Really? 
yeah, it's it, there's no ongoing responsibility. Once you've arranged it, assuming you've done everything correctly, you, you, you never have to speak to the person again. That's bad. But then you get the nice advisors like you who do that. Yeah, we always try and keep in touch. Some people don't want to. You know, some people you'll call and and they'll be, yeah, everything's fine, I'm happy. Great. But then that's a risk for you if they're not, if they're just saying that and then 20 years down the line they come to you and say, well, I didn't realise I was paying this much or I didn't realise this is what I was getting. No, it's not really a risk because you you, you give the advice at the time. So as long as you do everything right at, at that point, you're fine. And if you again, if you've documented that you've contacted someone and they said I didn't need anything, everything's fine. You, you've done all you can do. You can't. You're we're not magician, and you, and you can't force someone to do something they don't want to. Okay. Um, let's talk about the charging because one of the implications, I think, in some of these articles, not one of the things they're insinuating in these articles is that advisors are pocketing the commission from these life insurance policies, and that's why. Um, policyholders are getting such small amounts back. How are you paid for life insurance, for advising on life insurance? So we are paid a commission by the insurer. Okay. Now, I think commission can be seen as a, a dirty word. Mm. Um, but when you do, when we arrange your life insurance policy, it's all disclosed. So nothing's hidden. We never say, uh, you know, we never duck the issue. If there's an amount that we're paid, it's on the documentation. So I, I don't feel uncomfortable in the slightest getting paid a, a commission to help someone protect themselves or their family. The alternative is that you get paid a fee. Mm-hmm. Okay, Does so anyone do it, that? We don't do it. There are, yeah, there are some advisors that, that do that. And it's whatever works for different people. Um, it, it's not a charity, so you've got to be paid for your work. So whether it's a commission or a fee doesn't really make a difference from our point of view. Um, and as long as the client gets what they want, it shouldn't, I guess, make a difference from their point of view. So I think the... The, in the article, and again, I haven't seen this bit about commission, but so I don't think it's a problem that people get paid commission. I think it's a problem if people are dishonest and dishonorable and take advantage of people to earn money. Mm-hmm. So that could be a commission on a life insurance policy. It could be selling someone a used car. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. How, where, where there is money involved, there will always be dodgy people. Yeah, I think commission has has a bad rep, particularly in financial services, because there's a the fear that advisors will choose the products that pay the highest commission, and, and that was one of the reasons why commission was banned on investment products and, and that sort of thing. So, I don't know. I guess for some people, they may see commission and think, well, it was banned in other areas. Why are you still getting an insurance? And surely there must be perverse elements to it. Yeah, and as I said, the alternative, so with with general financial services and wealth planning, people pay us a fee. Yeah. So if in the future, I think that if it was changed for on on insurance, life insurance, that you got, that people paid a fee rather than a commission, people wouldn't take out policies. And I think that's why they've kept it. Do you think? Yeah, I do. I think there would be, a 
uh, I think people would be less inclined to take out life insurance if they had to pay a fee to do it. Whereas if it's all wrapped up into the premium, which is how a commission works, it's it's indirect the charge, and people don't mind that as much. That's 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 what I think. But why not? Because do you get any money from the premium? What do you mean from the premium? When I pay, so I or if someone pays their their life insurance premium, does the advisor get any money out of that? Um. Do they get out? Well, let, let's say the premium is £50 a month. Yeah. There's two ways to look at it. It's £50 a month. Let's say the insurer is legal in general. Yeah. So legal in general have decided they're going to pay a commission of, I don't know, £200. So is it coming out of the premium? You're not getting a commission necessarily on the premium, but the £200 is coming from somewhere. It's coming from you paying your premiums. Because if you don't pay the premiums, the insurer is not going to pay your commission. But that makes sense. If you if yes. if the commission is two hundred pounds, yeah. If you never pay the premiums, the insurer is not going to pay the commission. So why not have a lower commission and premium, and then have a slightly higher upfront fee, like an advice fee? You could do, yeah. You could. I, I just don't think that people would necessarily pay that. I think that'd be interesting to, to see. If anyone's listening, let us know. Would you pay a fee for insurance so that advisors don't get a commission? Or do you think advisors should get a commission? Yeah, similar thing. Like if you do your home insurance, your car insurance, your pet insurance, because he's been barking away, uh, travel insurance. Like I, I've just in the process of looking at renewing my home insurance. And I've gone on uh, confused.com. And if they say to me, right, you have to pay a fee of, I don't know, whatever it is, whether it's £50 or £5,000 to arrange it, I, I probably wouldn't use them. I'm quite comfortable knowing that whatever my premium is, they might get a, a portion of that, a commission from that. I, I'm fine with that. But I can't see myself directly paying a fee for the insurance. What about you? Well, I think the difference with that is you only pay that once a year up front and you can shop around for different people. But I don't get I don't have that much choice with my insurance if I if I stick with one advisor and I'm not gonna well some people might, but I don't know if I'd have time to shop around for a different advisor every year to make sure my life insurance was affordable. So so if I say, right, Mark, we're going to review all your insurances, it's going to, it's a thousand pound fee. Is that preferable to me saying, Mark, we've reviewed your insurances. Um, this one's going up 20 pounds a month. This one's coming down 30 pounds a month. So we're saving 10 pound a month. Would So do you, would you prefer to pay me a thousand pounds for that or just pay... £10 a month less on your premiums. Well, can you not save me more if I'm, pay- if I'm paying you £1,000? No, that's what it's worked out at. Right. Look, we're making numbers up, so who <laughs> I'm knows? I'm a bit worried when I finally have my annual review that you're suddenly going to start charging me £1,000. <laughs> no, we're not, that's not our, it's not our no, model at the moment. Not. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the way we do it. So uh, I think it's in principle, it's great. 
Hmm. I just think when it comes to it, you're more likely to just want lower premiums or that, or just to pay the premiums, whatever they are, rather than to pay a fee for it. Okay. That could be, that's interesting, but that could be, it'd be interesting to see which way the industry goes. Yeah. Yeah. But as I said, there are advisors that do charge fees. I just wonder how much commission they're giving up as a result. Yeah, you could probably a bit of uh, research for you there. Thank you. I might do that. Okay. Okay. Well, I've come to the end of my grilling about life insurance now. Good. Uh, I think our conclusion is that you should have life insurance. You shouldn't just gamble because obviously you will, you could well need it one day or your loved ones will need it if you pass away and there's bills to pay. Yeah, and, and I always think that, and, and I say this to, to clients, that we hope that any money that, that you put towards insurance, you, you never have to use, you never have to claim on it. And we hope it's sort of a waste of money. Yeah, We hope that all you're getting is the peace of mind. And at the end of the term, well, yes, you haven't got the million pounds, but you have got to live. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, you are here, you have lived. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm in no doubt whatsoever that there is a, uh, a great need and benefit from having the insurance okay is that all we have time for i suppose it is i'm gonna have my dinner now okay enjoy your dinner and you know don't don't, don't die oh thanks that's <laughs> that's nice thank you and you too <laughs> stay alive stay alive please remember anything discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice but if you do need support, feel free to contact us on Twitter. You can reach me at Mark Schoffman and Josh at Josh Gersler. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on your podcasting app. That helps people find us and lets us know you're enjoying what you hear. So thank you for being in for a penny. Hold up. 